Okay, folks, welcome back to the show. Today, we've got Christina from Hatch Consulting slash Crew Collab. She's going to be uh, joining us today to talk all about solving construction's people problem. She's uh, very involved and I'd say one of the bigger advocates for workforce development, particularly women in construction. Great to have you on here. A great mind like yourself to talk about uh, workforce development, solving the people problem, if you will, in construction and uh, learn a bit more about your story and uh, also touch on crew crew collab and uh, dive into what that's all about and uh, how far it's come lately with some big news and the upcoming Con Expo. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to talk about all those things. Well, they're all hot topics right now in the industry. So, but I, I, I always do this with all the guests. And I think before we get too far into talking about those topics, it's good to set the stage with a bit about your background and where you came from for people that either follow you on social media and don't know, or someone who's perhaps <laughs> discovering you for the first time now. So where does Christina's story start? How did you get involved in the construction industry, you know, the heavy industry, that sort of thing? Uh, so I chose construction, which I think is always a kind of fun thing to talk about. Uh, when I was in high school, I, I thought I wanted to go into welding because I took a welding class, but then I did really well on my ACT and uh, went from being kind of like the C minus average student to them being like, wow, she got a 32 on her ACT. We should probably get her into college. Um, so I, I did go to college and I'm first generation American. So we, I didn't really have anybody around me saying like, Oh, look at your options or whatever. It was like my parents saying, well, whatever your counselor says, that's probably what you should do. Uh, I went to Iowa state. I got a journalism degree. I obviously anybody who, who follows me knows I like to write. Um, it's my therapy. It's how I built my career. It's how I support my passions. Um, so I'm glad I went to school for journalism, although I was a writer before I went to college. So who knows if it really helped me or not. Uh, after college, I dabbled in a bunch of different things. I was a concert producer. I was a jeweler. I was um, I just did a few different things and wasn't really sure what my direction was going to be. I was very successful um, in a high-end jewelry store. I was a partner and... Then I met a guy, which um, all women can attest to the fact that when you meet a guy and you fall in love, it messes everything up. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so I met a guy. Uh, he was he is a tile setter, so blue collar guy. And I started showing up at his job sites, and I started um, kind of kicking around with the crew, uh, doing the girlfriend thing, you know, making sure everybody liked me, and you know, showing up with cookies or beer or whatever. Uh, but what I realized really quickly. It, is that my blunt kind of straightforward personality really connected far better with the construction world than it had ever connected with the high-end jewelry world. And it kind of felt like an aha moment for me connecting with those that this industry. So after seven years of being a successful jeweler and thinking that was my thing, I sold my partnership at that jewelry store and I took a leap into construction. And I started out in residential uh, I was the director of membership of the local home builders association. So I spent a lot of time working with subcontractors and home builders. Uh, I always say that residential is sort of like the gateway drug to bigger things in construction. Uh, so I started kind of spending all this time on job sites, uh, seeing the equipment, seeing earth moving, seeing all the, and then it turned into infrastructure and all the things that were being done under the ground and just all the different types of projects in construction. And it's just been kind of like this amazing love affair 
for me ever since. I I love telling the story of the people building and construction. Um, I love defending um, the personalities and the people that are working so hard just because there are so many stigmas against construction that have been uh, perpetuated over generations. And I, I just have, this is my, these are my people. So I've been construction based now for going on like 15 years, I guess. And uh, I don't think I'll ever leave the industry. I'm, I'm working for Hatch Engineering now, which is a little bit outside of my general realm of construction. But we do really cool infrastructure projects and, you know, we do hydropower and dams and solar and just these massive, you know, multi-billion dollar, you know, 10 year plus projects. So just the, the sheer size of the things we work on is just exciting. But yeah, I'm a marketing person in construction. I have a really weird background of how I got here, but at the end of the day, it's storytelling and and I could not be happier to be here. Well, a lot of those early on experiences has led to, you know, the success you're seeing now with your career and also with crew, which is what we'll talk about. But you also were into welding a bit there for a, for a while, weren't you? That was also into the trades, I, not just construction. Yeah, I I am like thoroughly jealous of everybody working in the trades which is fun. It's funny because I'm a 41 year old mom living in the suburbs here in Minneapolis. And it's, (laughs) but like, I get so geeked out about anybody working in the trades and I am jealous. Like I drive by high rises and things that are, you know, the people working in utilities and I'm like, you know, rubbernecking when I'm driving down the street, trying to see what's going on in these job sites. And because I missed out on that welding experience after high school, I, when I got into construction, I started thinking like, oh, I would really like to revisit that, you know? And at that point I'm like in my thirties and sort of like have no business restarting a career, although who's to say, right? Um, so I actually did go back to school. I went to tech school for welding uh, a couple of years ago now, two or three years ago. And I had a mediocre experience with the school I was in, which only kind of fueled my fire some more because I, I did learn how to weld, but I was more concerned about the type of education being received at the tech schools and, and making sure that just because we're, we're a tech school and, and just because it's not necessarily a four-year university, like those kids still use, deserve to have a high level of education, right? Um, so yeah, I, I did. I, I did dabble in welding. I can. I can do it. Uh, but what it all turned out to be was, as a single mom, working welding just would never work with my schedule um, and what I need to be able to do for my kids. And so it was just kind of back to the boardroom for me and back to the office jobs. Uh, and that's another thing that I hope to solve or help with someday is is how we are able to, as women and caretakers, be able to work in these skilled trades. Right. So which is a whole nother giant topic. I'm curious about um, Crew Collab. You've, this is something that you went out and, and started as the, as the founder. And I'm really curious for you to tell us a bit about kind of where it started and how it's grown and what it stands for um, today. So Crew Collaborative is sort of the brainchild of um, a group of women from a, well, about, yeah, we're coming up on three years now. So uh, beginning of 2020, right at the, right at the beginning of COVID, um, there was about 18 of us that were chatting at 
on Instagram about uh, Con Expo uh, three years ago, which is now coming up again, which is crazy. Uh, and how we all wanted to get together, and then it turned into conversations about uh, just our general experiences in construction. We're all in different areas. Uh, we have different backgrounds, different experiences, and uh, how we could entice more people to come join the industry that we loved so much. And so after Con Expo, it, the feeling was not dying down. It was like, we, this is really something that we want to pull on. Like, how can we improve the workforce? And how can we appeal to more women to join our workforce? So when Crew started, it was a women in construction initiative, which I know a lot of people kind of have heard or are not sure of, but it originally stood for Construction Retreat Empowering Women. And our first retreat was in July of 2020. We had 12 of us come up here to Minneapolis, and we decided to spend a weekend not just hanging out and having fun, although we had a lot of fun, but we created, uh, you know, presentations and topics and sort of roundtables that we wanted to talk about as a group. And over that weekend, one thing became very clear through all of our discussions, and it was we did not want to be a only women's group. I, um, the idea that I keep coming back to is the fact that as at that time, I think we were about 8% in the industry, uh, women represented. and you can't really put women in a group with in a room with other women, right? And expect to have any sort of difference in an industry that is 92% male. And while we love women and we want to bring more women in, it's also important that we bring more men in, you know, we need everybody, men, minorities, females, old people, young people, second career, third career, first career, intern, whatever. And so how do we make the whole industry more appealing to all these people in the younger generation and even, you know, people in their 30s who might not have looked at it before and probably have some misconceptions about what construction actually is. Not to mention the fact that all of us had had positive experiences with male mentors throughout our careers. And we feel like that's valuable for women to see that they can actually have really valuable mentorship relationships with their male leaders and, and can be lifted up to really great positions. It's just a matter of connecting with the right mentor. And so that's where we started. Um, so yeah, we're a couple of years in now. And what we did after that first retreat is we incorporated ourselves as a 501c3. And we created our first board of directors. And that board of directors was 50-50 male, female. And we had our first board retreat in March of 2021. And that original founding board uh, has just now in the past, uh, actually a couple weeks, just rotated for the first time. So we had two year terms. We've just rotated off most of our founding board. We still have some of our founding board involved. Um, and then we've also now newly elected, I think, six new board members. And so we have a big transition happening with crew right now. In that first couple of years, uh, we've launched two of our initiatives that we had talked about at that first weekend in 2020 as a group of women. Um, those two initiatives are crew classroom talks and classroom talks is uh, sponsored by Toro. And what it is, is we put together groups of anywhere from like five to 15 or 20 people professionals working in our industry and it can be anybody from like 
anything construction related, whether it's a salesperson, whether it's a heavy equipment operator, a plumber, uh, project managers, superintendents, heavy equipment, whatever. And so we put a, sort of like a round table together that represents different areas and we pr- present to high school classes. And sometimes it's one high school class, sometimes it's several. But each of the professionals on the call will then talk about their day, their their day-to-day life, basically, for five to eight minutes. And so they're required to talk about their, their job, their path to get to that job, uh, what a day in the life looks like for them, sort of the pros and cons of their job. And then we also ask them to give a salary range. And so what we've found is providing, especially that salary range, has been really surprising for most of the high schoolers, right? Because they're like, oh, construction, you don't make any money in there. And then you've got a 26-year-old guy running uh, a dozer saying, oh, I just bought my first house and I, you know, didn't, didn't have to have a cosigner or anything because I make so much money. And their their faces kind of change, right? And their perspective starts to change. And so that's been really rewarding. We did, oh gosh, I can't remember how, we, how many we did last year, but we have a goal to do 24 this year. Uh, and so 2023's goal is to have about two every month. I think that we'll probably uh, go beyond that and do more than that, but it's better to exceed a goal than fail at a goal, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm loving, just to unpack that piece there for a minute, I'm loving the fact that you're, if, if I will say, intercepting younger people in the classroom when they're at an age uh-huh. saying, what am I going to do with myself when I get out of high school? Like, am I going to work? Am I going to further education? And showing them, yeah. hey, here's here's a valid career path. Here's what you can achieve. Here's how you can grow. Here's much money, how much money you can make. And giving them th- that option. Because frankly, if they don't go to you know, a counselor and the counselor lays it out in a proper path, which they often don't, they, don't, they have no idea there's these career opportunities available. So I'm loving that you're actually taking people from the industry and getting them to talk to younger people. Um, it's arguably right. one well, of the- younger people just younger people want to be able to see themselves right in, in any job, they want to be able to, to see someone that they can relate to. And I think that that's really valuable. And I've noticed reaching out to these counselors and talking to some of these school leaders. It, it's not that they, they don't want to tell kids about construction. They just don't have the resources or the knowledge to actually tell them about construction or a path into construction. And so having a resource like Crew has actually been very well received by not just school counselors, but by parents as well. So our other, our second uh, program, our second initiative is called Crew Ambassadors, and that one is sponsored by Caterpillar. And initially, Ambassadors was looked at as sort of being like a leadership training program or a leadership development program. And our goal, our overall goal with the Ambassador program and how it's sort of um, it's changed or matured or kind of like just progressed over the past two years is less about developing leaders and more about developing sort of like a personal message or personal branding for the Ambassadors who take, to, to take, who participate in it. And what that means is we want these crew ambassadors to sort of become like mini chapters of crew and be able to go out into their communities and feel comfortable, comfortable recruiting into high schools or um, recruiting into parent groups or like at their local, uh, you know, when they go to a PTO meeting or when they're at a picnic or just hanging out at a sports event, like anywhere that they can talk about construction and the career opportunities here, like just feeling comfortable doing that. 
because surprisingly, or not surprisingly, a lot of us are not comfortable even talking about what we do, you know, or what we love about it, or why someone should consider a job in construction. It feels like we're selling, right? Mm -hmm. And instead, it needs to be more of like that humble brag or like that pride in industry where it's like, what I do is really important. And not just not just that, but it's fun. And also I get paid really well. And yeah, there's things about it that really suck. But you're going to find that in every job. So mm -hmm. like, let's just have a conversation about like, what things are important to you. And so they go through a four week training program. It's all online. Uh, it's nothing earth shattering or like, you know, mind blowing by any means. You know, we just kind of talk through some message messages, like how they can post on social media, what to share, um, where to go to speak in their community. We learn a lot about like personality types and how we might communicate. And it definitely applies to the, their job day to day. It's definitely skills that are going to help them at their job mm -hmm. and, you know, develop relationships. But at the end of the day, our number one goal is for them to become like really mini recruitment centers for their local community and be comfortable talking about anything in construction that people could consider. How many people are in this ambassador program now? How, how much has it grown? Uh, so we just started it this year. We've done two rounds and the ambassador program, gosh, I think we are at like 35 total ambassadors. Um, our first class, I think, was in the teens and our second class was in the low 20s. Uh, and we're looking to bring in 50 new ambassadors for 2023. So that's our goal that we set, although my personal goal is 75. And I think that we will have no problem doing that with some of the promotions that we're going to be doing at Con Expo. So That's great. I think that I think yeah. that's unique because if you if you look at like we talk about Con Expo, it's events, everyone gets together and everyone's talking construction, but outside of that world to then disseminate the conversation of construction, people like ambassadors are are great to do that, to take that into the community, mm -hmm. to take that into schools or to take that into other workplaces. I think it's important to go just beyond, you know, big events where everyone's obviously talking about construction, everyone's there for construction. So Really, really important work that you're doing over there, I think. I, I have a really, uh, I, I feel very strongly about workforce development uh, and, and where the responsibility for it lies. I, I think we see a lot of leaders in construction sort of sitting around and complaining about workforce development and complaining about all the things that need to be done in order to grow our industry. And at the end of the day, it's nobody's responsibility except ours. Right. Like nobody is coming in to rescue us. Like the government's not going to step in and give us all these new employees. Um, you know, there's no white knight flying in to, to save the day. Right. We have to get out there and we have to learn how to promote our industry because we are not doing a good job of that. And it's, it's critical that we become those recruiters. It, it's on us to, to change the future, especially the younger people coming in. You know, those people who are in their late 20s and early 30s, like they need to carry this burden, you know, giving them the tools to really feel comfortable recruiting into industry is one of the most valuable things that we can do, in my opinion. Yeah. And we know it best. Like, why, why leave it to somebody else to promote and, and market us when we, the people of the industry, know know it best, know how the business works, know how it's good, know some of the bad things about it and, and can market it mm -hmm. uh, arguably arguably the best, but I still think we aren't casting maybe a broad enough net. You know, we try and get, maybe we should be looking for people like 
in the accounting world, in the restaurant business, the retail business? What could they come to the industry and teach us? You know, why do we always have to go for people who are just heavy equipment operators or something like that, right? Like, could we be casting a bit of a broader net than we already are? I, yeah, I, I would agree. And that kind of uh, brings up the com- conversation, sorry, the conversation of millennials too. Right. You know, I just was giving a talk and I've given this talk several times and it's one of my favorite questions to ask, especially when I have a group of um, boomer men, you know, like guys that are probably in their 50s to 70s in a room because, you know, you'll sit and you'll say, okay, what do you guys think about millennials? Like, what is our opinion about millennials? And they'll raise their hands and they'll be like, oh, they're lazy all they want to do is play video games. Uh, they don't want to work hard. You know, stop me when you hear one you haven't heard already, because this is like the same thing is over and over again, right? That we hear from our older generation. Yep, totally. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you, you guys are totally right. But how many of you have kids who are millennials? Again, like everybody in the room raises their hand because they all have pretty much raised a millennial. And so then it's like, well, then whose fault is this? Like whose fault is this problem that this quote unquote problem that we have, this millennial problem that we have, if we're the ones who have raised them, we can't complain about a generation that we have been the mentors for and the role models for if, if we're not going to do anything about it. Right. We can't complain about them. No, absolutely not. And it's, I think every generation had people that didn't want to quote unquote work in in it. Mm -hmm. There's always people that were part of the generation that didn't want to get into construction, didn't want to work. It's, it's not fair to say just millennials are just all of a sudden the ones that don't want to work. Um, no, millennials love working. They like making money. They like feeling appreciated. Yeah. I think that's pretty normal. Yeah. Going, going back and, and, and talking about workforce development here, but what do you think are the top three to five issues, you know, this decade women are facing in construction, getting into construction in the industry? What would you say the top three or five are? Um, for women specifically, I would say the hours and the, the things required of us as employees, um, whether we like it or not, women are always on maybe not always, but they fall into the caretaker role, right? For the most part, um, even if I was married and had a partner, chances are that, a burden of the childcare and, and just the general activities that come along with being a parent would probably fall on me. And that's not saying that men are not, not active parents, right? It's just a societal norm that is really hard to break. And with me specifically, you know, I can't drop my kids off for school before seven thirty, and I have to be home for them by four thirty. So how in the heck am I going to get to a job site by 6 a.m. or 5 a.m.? And, you know, if you're talking about actual physical construction work, right, um, how am I going to do that job and not feel guilty all the time? And it's not even that anyone on the job site is making you feel guilty, although maybe they will. um, But that's mom guilt. You know, like that's that that inherited piece of like, I can't do all the things I want to do, right, and be a good mom. And working an office job affords me the ability to do that. Now, there's plenty of office jobs for women. And I think that that's where the disconnection happens, right? And I'm not just saying that only women can do office jobs, right? There's a very thin line to walk here, because I don't want to say that women belong in the office, because women belong on the job site. 
But this is a conversation that needs to be massaged out and continued over time. There's no solution right now that's super easy. Um, but right now, I work at I work for an engineering firm or a construction firm, and I can get to my office by 7.30 or 8 in the morning, and I can work a full day and still be home in time for my kids to get off the bus. I can also then jump on my computer in the evenings and do the rest of my job if I need to, um, or I can just disconnect for the day. And so I think that that role of being a mom overall in that traditional role is really a challenge. Like, how do you find that balance? And I don't know that it's, uh, I don't know if there's a solution or not. And then uh, the other thing I think that keeps women from joining the industry is the stigma that surrounds construction. And we've definitely made headway in, in that area for sure. I don't think that the stigmas are strong in construction, but they definitely still exist. You know, it's a men's world. It's, um, it's dirty. It's gross. There's sexual harassment on the job sites and all this stuff. And a lot of it's really not true. I'd say most of it's really not true. I mean, if I'm going to be honest, having worked in a lot of uh, white collar jobs, I had way more problems with inappropriate men in my white collar jobs than I've ever had being on a job site. So, I mean, it's just a matter of the experience you have and where, but those are the, those are the stigmas. I mean, even you can still see them in cartoons, you know, for kids right now, if you're, if you're looking on stuff that kids are watching. I mean, I just got really angry the other night because my kids cartoon or show had this like misrepresentation of a female construction worker. And I was just like, how are we ever going to change things? If my five and eight year old are seeing this is what a woman who works at construction looks like look they can still be feminine they don't have to be butch and gross but they can be butch and they can be tough or they can get their nails done and they can be super feminine there's no there's no definition hollywood and cartoons certainly haven't helped us further change the narrative in terms of what people Mm -hmm. have seen the imagery and the videos that people have seen from those kind of establishments one that comes to one one issue that comes to mind for me um primarily in the mining industry being a, you know, fairly male dominated, um, is just normalizing women in the workplace. You know, I think a lot of guys yeah. look at girls as like these unicorns on the job site, like, Oh my gosh, there's a girl in the heavy shop. Like, Oh my gosh, wow. Girls coming into the, the open pit. Like it's, it's, I feel like it's getting better now, but I feel like normalizing women in the job, in the workplace on the job site is something we can all work to do better at. Yeah, I would totally agree. It's one of the main missions of crew is to normalize uh, marketing, um, marketing images and marketing uh, messages so that you see more men and women and minorities just working together, right? We don't want to, we don't necessarily love the idea of like an all female crew being represented, right? Or like an all female anything, um, all female team, it should be the right person for the job, period. But we do want to normalize, like if a woman's on a crew with a bunch of guys or if there's three women and 10 guys or whatever it looks like, that should just be normal. Like we don't need to celebrate the fact that a woman is on that job site. She's just showing up to do her job. And that just is all it should be. And it's just like if you had an African-American on a job site with three Caucasian people, who cares? They're all doing their job. They're doing they're the right person for the job. Like, let's just normalize the fact that we're all here to do work. But the conversation around women in construction, which I love and I appreciate, I do feel like it can kind of be counterproductive. 
And so it's just that, again, that thin line that you're walking to create that open environment where it's like, when do we get to stop talking about it? Mm -hmm. I would agree. What do you think men can do better with respect to the topic of women in the workplace? What can men do better? Be allies. Just treat us as equals. Um, I noticed this a lot just working in the office for construction or working in a leadership role. Um, Even in that space, it's hard to break through into leadership and be taken seriously. Uh, women in the office are always in admin roles or marketing roles. And me coming from a marketing perspective, like I feel a little hypocritical, right? Cause I'm a marketing person in construction and that historic, historically where a lot of women end up, but we have big ideas, you know? And so it can be even on a, con- a construction site, like don't, don't poo poo an idea that a woman might have to do something more, um, productively or faster or just in a better way, uh, listen to our ideas and then also answer the questions that we have without making us feel like idiots. So when a woman comes onto a job site, she's going to be way more likely to stay if you treat her with respect, even as she's learning. And that really clump comes into that mentorship piece. And that's actually, you know, the third program for crew that we're getting ready to launch. And we're actually just in the naming phase right now and like just trying to That's a really hard part of any initiative is finding a name, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Naming naming a program is like very stressful (laughs) because you want it to be cool, but also like make sense. Um, But our our new initiative that we're going to be rolling out in 2023 and we're actually going to launch at ConExpo in addition to some other things um, is this mentorship program. And it's sort of like going to become like a a career counseling center for people who want to go into construction because we do have like the classroom talks. We have ambassadors. Well, you know, now we've got these pe- people who want to go into construction. So what do we tell them to do? Mm-hmm. And so that's this next program is is developing a path for each different kind of career option within c- construction. Absolutely. I love that. I love giving a, a clear, well-defined path and a helping hand along the way, just like mm-hmm. any, any university would to get you in and get you through the, the courses. I think, you know, the trades and the construction need the same thing. They need people saying, here's where you start. Not, not go pick up a shovel and get some experience. Like, here's where you start. You want to do <laughs> a project, you want to be a project manager, you want to be an equipment operator, you want to be uh, a VP or whatever it may be. You want to be an estimator. Heck, and here's kind of how you get there. Like, there's no like, oh, just pick up a shovel and we'll kind of, we'll move you up one day, right? It's, I think, a more defined yeah. path like that is, is what we need. Well, I mean, some things in construction still require an education and some things don't. So if you have a mentor or somebody with experience in the industry and in that particular job, it's going to be really helpful to have some advice, some real world, world advice on what the best way to get to that job is. Looking, circling back to kind of a, a broader picture, both male and female genders, you know, if we look at the construction industry and re- attracting, retaining people, the kind of the people problem, um, do you think construction is for everyone? Do you think everyone should, should start a career in construction? Do you think it's for certain types of people? Um, no, I don't think it's for everyone, but no, I don't think it's for certain people or certain types of people. Um, I think every type of personality and everybody could find a spot in construction. Um, I don't necessarily think everybody's going to have the same type of passion 
for construction that so many of us have that have, you know, like your listeners probably are really passionate about construction because they're listening to a podcast about it. Um, but some people in construction just don't give a, a crap about con- construction, right? It's a job. Um, and that's okay. Just like some people working in whatever sports might hate sports, you know, it's just kind of like the job you end up in. So do I think it's like a thing that everybody should do? Uh, no, I don't necessarily think that. Do I think every person that joins our industry is going to be like obsessed with it like you and I are? No, probably not. Um, but I do think that there's opportunity for anybody who would want to find it. I feel like we should definitely, as from a marketing perspective and attracting people, we shouldn't market it as such as just for everybody. Like, come on, come all. We should be looking for those, you know, people who are either passionate or want to get into it. And on mm-hmm. that note, what do you think companies can do better in terms of attracting people to come work for them? I'm, ask, I'm asking a marketer this question too. Yeah, um, I have very strong opinions about this. Uh, that have, And some of them have gotten me in trouble because, it, you know, construction in general, we're comfortable not talking about what we do. And we're a humble industry. And I know I mentioned earlier the humble brag, right? I think that our industry needs to get better at talking about what we do and companies need to get better at sharing the story. Uh, There's all this fear of um, talking too much about your employees because they might get stolen or, you know, sharing too much about the way you do something. Uh, I think that's something we need to get over. Uh, the important thing is to treat your employees well. And if you have a strong company culture and you're paying your employees well and you're treating them well, you shouldn't have to worry about other companies coming in to swoop them mm-hmm. out, of, out, out from underneath you. Uh, you might lose one or two two employees if you're sharing, you know, how great your team is and the hard work that they're doing. But chances are you're going to gain some really great employees by putting it out there. So I think that from a marketing perspective, the storytelling of our industry is just really lacking. And a great example or a great way to like really see that is the fact that people like, you know, you and I who are telling stories about construction were looked at as unique. And, you know, any other industry, you know, especially like even looking at residential um, or, you know, design build industries, like that's the norm to celebrate what is being done in the craftsmanship like why aren't we able to do that you know in these other sectors of construction there there should be no shame in sharing or no fear in sharing how great the industry is and as a marketer and I know you understand this because I've seen your work the subject matter that we have to work with as far as photography goes and video goes and the stories of our employees and just the overall grit and this amazing like work ethic there is so much content to be created for this industry it's never ending Mm -hmm. and even small businesses it's so easy for you to collect content from your from your field team like just ask people to send you pictures of things that are making them proud on a job site and chances are you're going to have lots of photos to work with on your social media it's so easy so do more I would Do concur. more sharing. I would concur. Yeah. I think as an industry, and I, I purely single out construction here, I'm not going to delve into the world of mining, is he seems like we're still a little bit scared and timid to share what we're doing. And I'm not sure if mm-hmm. it's from purely from a competitive standpoint in terms of what if 
you know, down the street, they figure out what we're doing. I'm like, well, it's really not that hard to figure out what you're doing. You can drive by the site and, and see, okay, they're using this equipment. They're doing it this way. They're using this many people. Okay. Here's kind of, they're using technology. Like in terms of like a surficial, like it's not hard to figure out how to move dirt and how to, you know, put pipe in the ground and stuff like that. That's, that's kind of the, the, the top layer of things. But if you look at how they treat their people, you know, the opportunities they give their people, how long has this person been with them and how have they grown that sort of thing? Little things like that. I think if you start sharing more of that, it shows people, Hey, like this is actually a really good outfit that I could see myself at and they're going to treat me well. And in, in return, no, I was have to give a good day's work, but it's it's telling that story and essentially making it interesting to people because on a, on a basic level, society doesn't understand what construction does and don't appreciate it. You know, well, fresh water to and from your home, heck, no one even knows about that because it's buried in the ground or underground <laughs> utilities. So there's there's so many facets yeah. to to really revealing the fact that construction is responsible for the fabric of for weaving the fabric of society, if you will, for making it possible to live on a very basic level. So there's that side of things. There's yeah. also the side of things of, Hey, this is a great company. Come work for, come work for us. And here's why. Well, yeah, I mean, there's usually great benefits. There's usually great pay and there's usually a great team vibe. Um, you know, talking about not knowing uh, what's going on to the surface, right. Of your, of your home or of your city. Yesterday uh, I got to go to my first site visit tour or site visit with my new company I work for Hatch Engineering and I haven't been to a site in like four months so I was getting kind of twitchy and I got to go <laughs> to visit the new um, stormwater system that they're building under the city of Minneapolis and I was like oh okay great we're going to go into a tunnel because I had seen the entrance to the tunnel and I actually ended up at a few different job sites where they put us in man baskets um, and lowered us, us like 100 feet underground under the city Whoa. and I was in these tunnels that were massive right and you know you get dropped down in this basket by a crane which is super cool and I'm down there with my camera like a tourist and I don't even care like I look like I'm a nerd and I look like I'm excited but it's because I am I had no idea that this type of infrastructure existed under what I'm doing every single day but like these tunnels are like like 15 feet wide and 20 feet tall and it's, wow. it's insane that they are under there being built and that all these people are down there. They had a full-size refrigerator down there. They're running skid steers. They're doing all their demo work. They're, they're drilling and everybody walking up along and up and down the street. All they see is a big hole in the ground, you know, and a crane sitting there. They have no idea what's going on at that job site. And it, to me, it was just like, if I could show my kids this, right. Or if I could show some high school kids this, I mean, how, insane to have that experience and I just I think the stuff that that we do in our industry and in mining too right like the stuff that they're doing in these mines it's 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 mind-boggling it's so overwhelmingly cool and not enough people know about it I just think if I if I had one piece that I would as a I guess I call myself a marketer and you're a marketer as well. If I could have one piece that I'd keep hit, hitting on the, every time I posted something on social, it'd be how cool would it be, would it be to be part of this project? Like when you look back and say, I was part of that, I built that and that oh, yeah. helped my community and that helped the city that helped the province of, you know, for me, it's British Columbia for, you know, it helped Canada. Mm -hmm. you know, I was, I was involved in that. I think that is for me, the, the one piece that I keep coming back to just for, as a guy who kind of, 
get to tour around different sites, you get to be like, wow, I was there. Like, that was cool. It was, it, how cool would it be to be part of this? Like actually building. It, and it's so insane to me and something I'm extremely passionate that any of the people doing this type of work would ever be looked at as less than. Like that really, really, really bothers me mm-hmm. that, 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 that that's a, perce- a perception, right? I, I can't even get over it. You know, some of the people working in these, the C-suite and, you know, leading all these companies, like those people are not more than, and these people are not less than, right? And the, the work that they're doing is so critical to, mm-hmm. to what we, how we live our lives. Do you think marketing is the answer to solving the workforce prob- problem? Is this training no. fit anywhere in there as well? I, I, I don't, don't think marketing is the answer. I do think it plays a big role. Um, but I, I think more than anything, it's a mindset shift. It's a mindset shift for all of us and, and, you know, the people that we're interacting with on a regular basis. And I think it's an ownership shift, you know, instead of looking at this as someone else's problem, I think that the solution is looking at it as our problem and this is our house and this is our problem that we need to solve. And I don't care if you're two years from retiring and I don't care if you just entered the industry, like as a whole, as a community, this is our problem to solve. So I don't think it just falls on marketing and I don't think it just falls on culture or I don't think it falls on training. I think it's an overall ownership issue. Where do you think training fits into the picture of recruiting people, getting them into the into the industry and getting them, you know, starting their careers? I think that, and I, if I'm picking up on the, on the direction that you're going with training is I feel like we can do better um, onboarding and training people into any company. Uh, I think that safety has become um, a buzzword, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become a, a buzz topic, but it also meet, means that it sort of becomes a topic that your eyes glaze over for. Um, and that people aren't as as attentive to it as they should be. Uh, so training, I think, is important. I think training can span across several things. Uh, I don't think it's the end-all, be-all solution. I think it's all going to be part of an overall mindset. Like I said, you know, if the mindset's right, the training is going to be better received. Um, the message is going to be better received. The marketing is going to be more quality. You know, everything is going to be better if we have the right mindset. Mm-hmm. I would I would add to that by saying I really think in-house training for companies, you know, given they're large enough to sustain that, will be, you know, a good path forward to get people from either a little bit of experience or maybe no experience at all. Like I made a comment earlier about casting a bit of a wider net. So we're going to start bringing people in that have an interest, maybe a passion, but no experience. Okay, how do we get them from no experience to capable of running a piece of heavy equipment mm-hmm. that, and we talk about safety that, you know, you have to be safe when you're operating it. You have to you know, look out for this and have to know about this. So how do you get them from zero experience to a certain level? And I think in-house training, any sort of training is going to be extremely key. Well, um, training, I think is interchangeable too, in that situation with mentorship. And, you know, you have a lot of really great, 
uh, information and history that's about to retire. And that's something that we really need to hold on to and figure out how to harness that into a me- into mentorship programs uh, for as long as we can. And I would even add on to that and say some of these larger companies that are doing well uh, would really benefit our industry by mentoring smaller businesses in ways that are not just for show, but in ways that are proactive and actually supporting their growth. There's enough work for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, while we're kind of talking about the industry as a whole and, and developing people, do you think in terms of getting people in the, in the, into the industry recruiting, do you think there's any particular myths or stigmas that come to mind that you think we should spell or that aren't true? <laughs> Some of the, like a top, top couple, top couple three. <laughs> you've heard and you think Um, that aren't true and we should, we should really dispel and and disprove. I mean, some of them are true, but, and I mean that like actually with a lot of love, right? Because some of them are true. And the fact that like, yeah, sometimes you go to a job site and a lot of the guys you're seeing are, are what you envision. But I think that the misconception there is that they're also really gruff or, you know, dirty or whatever. And, The opposite is true, in my opinion. I think that we have an industry full of, we have a lot of white males and we have a lot of um, people who didn't necessarily go to college or, you know, maybe didn't even finish high school. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing, but we do have a lot of really strong family values. Um, We have a really strong work ethic. And I think that, yeah, maybe some of the stigmas, uh, at first glance can be true to a certain extent. Um, the things that I don't necessarily like, and this is just a personal opinion, and it's kind of like a, a hot or like a <laughs> not something that people shy away from talking about is uh, the sexualization of women uh, on social media. And, and so, you know, we have a lot of, especially with the invention and the, uh, or whatever, the conception of OnlyFans, right? We have a lot of women who are really strong females in construction and in this industry who are also doing things like that, are, are participating on OnlyFans. And I am really actually uh, a little, I don't know, I, I have a hard time taking either side on that mm-hmm. because I do feel like women have a right to their sexuality and to express it how they see fit. Uh, but I, I do also think in some instances it sets us back a certain amount. And I, I don't know if that's on the females or on the males. Yeah. I, I mean, everyone's free to make their own personal choices. Does it help, mm-hmm. you know, help the image of women in the industry if, if a girl chooses to do that? I don't think so. And I, I mean, the guys gravitate towards viewing that kind of stuff if she's doing it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if I have a, a, a thoughtful comment to, to further that yeah, conversation. Yeah, it's tough because. Yeah, it definitely doesn't help the industry, but why is it that woman's responsibility to help the industry, right? Like, so that's where I kind of have a hard time with it. I think that it's great if you can be comfortable with your sexuality sexuality, and if you can take advantage of people who, not necessarily even take advantage, but capitalize on uh, people that want to pay you money to do what you want to do. It's your body and it's your choice, in my opinion, um, but it does set us back. And so it's kind of like a double-edged right because I wish that it wasn't a sexualized thing and it is kind of a hard topic 
to navigate in a lot of ways as someone who feels really, really strongly about women doing what they want to do. Right. Um, but it's sort of like, you know, we kind of have to deal with that situation as it comes. And, and I feel like each of us represent ourselves in the way that we want to be represented. And I think that's just kind of like the end of the topic for me in a lot of ways. It's like, do what you want to do and we'll just figure it out. So. Yeah. Any other particular yeah. stigmas or, or myths you think that you've heard and you think are completely <laughs> untrue? Well, stigmas, I mean like that you don't make any money um, that you uh, if you don't want to go to college, then, uh, then, uh, construct construction is a good option for you. I mean, there's a ton of people that have college degrees that work in construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I think that there's, there's so many stigmas that you could just go on and on about, uh, <laughs> plumbers, like plumbers when the plumbers crack and, and, and how they're all kind of sloppy while plumbers make a shitload of money, pun intended. And, uh, they live, um, the the ones that I know live a much more lavish lifestyle than I do. And so (laughs) like, you know, just really like when we're talking about income and like the overall stigmas, yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions. If I, if I were to add in one point there, I would agree that changing the stigma around the industry as being a second option would be a huge one, a big win for getting people recruiting more people and getting people channeled kind of into a career path in the industry is just, you know, it, there's, there's room for people who are educated. You need an education to be a geologist, an engineer, or anything like that, you know, and sort of geotechnical work. And there's room for people without an education. There's equipment. I mean, you mm-hmm. still need arguably need an education for that equipment operators. There's laboring, there's all kinds of drilling. There's all kinds of different opportunities there that don't require four years in university or, or college in, in, the U.S. So, um, I think well, there's opportunities think for both. There's a lot of variety in construction too. I mean, you can, if you get into a certain area of the industry that you don't necessarily like, you can always switch to a different area. And I mean, no day is ever the same. Even for me working in the office and and doing a marketing job in construction, no day is ever the same for me. Uh, and it's that's just the nature of the industry because things are always changing and. There's always a fire to put out, not literally, hopefully, but there's always something happening that needs attention. And I think that that's, that's a unique aspect of construction for sure. Yeah. We'll finish off with one final question for you here. Um, you're, you're going to a coffee shop, you bump into a construction CEO. They ask you for advice on how their company can attract more people. In that five minutes, you know, what, would you, what pieces of advice would you offer? So I would tell them to look at their social media and as, as silly as that sounds, I mean, I think a lot of these larger companies are already focused on their company culture and they're probably already focused on um, their processes and their hiring and their HR and all that. Um, but how are they representing their themselves externally and whether we like it or not, and whether they like it or not, social media platforms are a huge part of how people decide what they want to work somewhere and especially younger people you know for example I had this conversation with the CEO of a very large national company and their social media was like 80% pictures of um, their leadership team playing golf Mm. and um, at golf tents and golf tournaments and then like the pictures of women were women at recruitment fairs at colleges and then the only times that they had African-American 
on, on their feed were on during Black History Month, which is just insane. And so it's just, you know, look at, take a 30,000 foot look at your social media, even your website as well, and try to look at it from the perspective of somebody who doesn't know anything about your company. And then figure out how to change that. Maybe ask someone who's younger, who has nothing to lose in the conversation, what they have, what their opinion is of the company from just that perspective. There's so many things that we could be doing, again, to represent our companies and, and with the content that we have available to do better at representing our industry. And it's not just about their company. It's about our industry. Mm-hmm. So, again, that ownership piece. I agree. It's up to us to help change the narrative. We know we know the business mm-hmm. best, and it's take a good hard look at that. And like you said, I like the point about you know get somebody else to look at it and see what they think because you might look at it and think, oh, this is great. Like it looks good. Yeah. It looks good, guys. Oh, yes. yeah. Get somebody else to have a look at it. So a third, a we third like eye. third opinion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, Christina, I want to thank you for taking time to to be on the show to chat all about to to chat all about workforce development and uh, crew collab and a bit about your story. So wait, I got one more thing for you. We didn't talk about this because oh. you're and you're Canada and I'm US. Indeed I am. But yeah, but remember Crew Canada. So that's a big announcement that we have coming up here is that we are going to be launching a Crew Canada chapter. And so you guys will be hearing more about that if you do follow Crew because we will be launching it at Con Expo. And okay. so hopefully Mac's going to be involved with that and we're going to move the whole thing forward. But yeah, I'm excited. Okay. We're going international. So Crew, Crew yeah. Canada launching a Con Expo. <laughs> Anything else you could say at this point or is it to be determined to be talked about? Uh, you know, we, we're talking to some pe- people who want to be involved. And so if that's you and you're hearing this podcast, then reach out to us by all means. We already have quite a few people from Canada who have shown interest. And mm-hmm. I mean, overall, Canada is just killing it in this space as far as like representing industry. I just think that you guys are doing such an amazing job. I might just move to Canada. (laughs) There's a lot of infrastructure to build up here. We're we're quite behind on some of it too. It's kind of aging. We're like, Oh, better, better spend some money on this here. (laughs) I've been spending a lot of time in Toronto now working for hatch. And so it's, uh, I like, I like you guys. Uh, I got a crush on Canada. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we're we're hoping to start with Canada, and then hopefully we'll move across the ocean, and we'll just become global and keep working on this overall mission. But so at, at Conexo, you'll be hearing about Crew Canada, and you'll also be hearing about our new program that we're launching for that uh, kind of career passing. That's fantastic. So if people on listening to the show were interested in getting involved, how would they get a hold of you or Crew? Is there social media? Is there an email? What's a website? Where are we go? Where are we sending them? Um, so crew is pretty active on Instagram and actually most of the social media platforms, but we're, it's, we're quick to reach on Instagram and that's at the dot crew dot collab and it's crew is in C R E W. And that's the same for our website, crewcollab.org. We have, you can sign up for membership on there, which is free. You can sign up to volunteer. You can sign up to participate in a committee. You can do all the things, sign up as an ambassador. Um, I am mostly active on LinkedIn and I'm Christina McMillan on there. So if you look me up, M-C-M-I-L-L-A-N, and I would be happy to connect with any of your listeners. Fantastic. We'll leave it at that. If you guys have any questions for Christina, you know how to find her, uh, cruise on social as well, find them there. And then, uh, if you are going to Con Expo, make sure you, uh, 
try and find Christina yeah. at one of the crew Come events. Panel. Is there is there yeah. a, is there a get together, a gathering? I thought we chatted about that. Like yeah. There's a crew evening. Yes. So we have three panels, which you should check out. And we've got Bold Leadership for Women, which I'll, and I'm going to be moderating all of these. So we've got that one. Um, and then also uh, personal brand, developing your personal brand. Those two are on Wednesday. And then on Friday, we have social media for recruiting. Um, Wednesday evening is when we are going to have our crew meetup. And so that right now tentatively is going to be at Beer Park around seven o'clock. And okay. we are working on the details for that. Uh, location might change because we're still talking to them about that. But for now, we're looking at Beer Park around seven o'clock. But come to our Instagram page to get more details. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. We'll leave off on that note. Big thank you again for uh, taking time to be on the show. Always great to talk about uh, workforce development and uh, solving the people problem. And there's no real like cut and dry solution. It's kind of an evolving conversation. But uh, no. as an industry, we're figuring it out. So. Ownership. Yeah, we got to own it. Thanks again, Christina. And uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Hopefully you got some insight into uh, the industry and what bit about Christina and uh, how we're looking at uh, solving some of the workforce problems out there uh, as uh, as a community in the industry. So thanks again, Christina. Thank you, Mac.